This podcast is brought to you by Stormaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at Stormaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. Someone came to me and said, hey, uh, I just, here's all these videos, here's this experiment I ran for you. And um, this is what value it potentially could have created. I'd be like, wow, that's super impressive. Come join us. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm your host, Jonathan Fishman, and I'm really excited to be here today with Ryan Thorpe, who's the CMO at Reflectly. Hey, Ryan, what's up? Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Sure. Ryan, do you want to introduce yourself a bit and talk a bit about your path and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, my career actually started in growth, um, where I, I used to uh, create Instagram accounts I um, used to hack, grow them back when I was at school, at university, just so I could travel and meet other people. Um, and then that was my first way into growth. Um, before I then joined Revolut, which is a fintech company based out of London, I was one of their first growth hires. And like any growth hacker at that time, you were just trying to find every way you could to get a company to the to the next stage of numbers growth-wise. Um, then I left the finance sector, um, just felt like I needed something a bit better for my soul. And moved into into apps. Um, the apps mainly focused on productivity, mental health, uh, wellness, health and fitness, which led to me joining Reflectly. Um, Reflectly is a journaling app. Um, it was created in 2017. Uh, we focused on growing that probably right the way through till about 2020, going into 2021. Um, and then we realized that not everybody's going to buy a journaling app uh, every single day. Some people use a variety of ways to do journaling. And there was essentially like a, a limit on realistically how fast we could grow. Um, so we started expanding our portfolio of apps. So I've been really focused on apps, acquiring other apps in the space, health and fitness productivity apps, um, and growing them. So now we're up to a portfolio of about 25 apps um, with the goal of eventually building almost like a Netflix subscription for applications that solve all of your daily problems uh, from health and fitness to mindset to productivity to reducing anxiety depression um and that's where we're at today so my job is really just focusing on buying apps and growing them as fast as i can really awesome and and it sounds like there's also a big emphasis on like cross promotion like you acquire a user for one of the one of the family of apps and then uh you try to cross promote the others yeah exactly i mean so um with the introduction of sort of ios 14 and the difficulties and kind of growth and scaling uh, products through performance and paid marketing. It's becoming more and more expensive to actually acquire a user now, that trackable. Um, so it's becoming almost almost cheaper over the long term to buy a business that already has good, strong users that already will use your other products. Um, so it's, a, it's a, a better investment use case. Rather than spending a million dollars on marketing, you could buy few products or Shopify accounts or different businesses um, that already have maybe a million users. So you could have your CAC at 
one dollar for a million dollars um rather than for a million dollars at facebook and you might be able to track maybe 20 percent of them um so that's kind of a perspective that we hold more as like an investment company now uh rather than just specifically focusing on um, being one app nice so today uh we're going to talk a, a bit about uh, tiktok as, as an acquisition channel i know that you have a lot of thoughts about this so um let's start by just you telling us why you think TikTok is such a strong channel right now for UA. It's something that we heard from across the industry. It's uh, getting really, really strong uh, at the same time where Facebook is becoming uh, pretty weak. Um, what are your thoughts there? Um, well, obviously, so since Facebook is becoming weaker and weaker, um, ad spend has to get funneled into somewhere. So it's now going either into uh, Apple search ads or into the new up-and-coming channel, which is acting like Instagram was and Facebook was maybe 10 years ago. Um, the attention span is obviously shorter on TikTok, but the engagement is much, much higher. Um, so if you can crack the creative um, and essentially like find a way to capture the attention on TikTok, um, products can go viral, ads can go viral, um, metrics just perform so much better. Um, and it's also, not only just from a UA standpoint, running performance market, also from an organic standpoint, um, you can run both the organic, uh, run the ads as both organic videos and paid ad videos, um, and get uh, increased likelihood of both going viral. Um, so I think there's just a lot of potential in TikTok's uh, draw of the amount of people that are now using the product, um, and the engagement there is just so much higher and people more likely to be interested in it's used now as a discovery tool it's the new discovery tool out there and if you can kind of just be in front of as many as much people as possible you're gonna you're gonna drive uh, acquisition got it and and what do you think i mean we're now currently in the midst of, of the privacy revolution as they call it um some folks think it's over i think we're kind of in the middle of it there's gonna still be a lot of changes coming into the industry in the next uh, couple of years I believe um, Google Sandbox is going to go live in about a year and a half. Um, and uh, Apple is going to evolve its privacy guidelines. Um, and that really handicapped a lot of ad networks. Facebook, I think, got uh, the biggest hit. Um, but uh, Facebook, it got the biggest hit because Facebook um, core value for advertisers was, at least for mobile advertisers, was tell us who your strongest users, the users that you want us to find. Um, we have an insane user graph that tracks every Facebook user uh, in the world uh, in terms of what they did in each and every app they installed because everybody reported events to Facebook. So they knew where each user is is buying things as in-app purchases, subscriptions, and uh, they were able to craft extremely quality uh, lookalike audiences before. Um, and... Um, how do you think that TikTok uh, was affected by by all of that? And are you still managing, or how are you managing to target the right audience on on TikTok these days? Um, so I think uh, it's, it's it's still very difficult to target the right audience. Um, I think the algorithm is becoming better and better. So uh, to be honest, we just use broad audience targeting, um, and over time, the more you spend, TikTok's algorithm starts to get to understand what kind of users you're aiming for based off of the creative and who you're drawing into your um, into your app, into your user base. Um, so I think there's there's that element, which I think um, 
TikTok is on top of. But I think what's also what how TikTok has also kind of maybe had that additional advantage is what I mentioned before, the organic sides. Um, I think TikTok is you can still kind of track people through organic promotion, retargeting through your current user base who are following your products, watching your videos. There are still ways that you can kind of get around that certain level of privacy. Um, and in terms of how I'm tracking, um, it isn't 100% accurate the way that we do it. Um, because we have a lot of apps, it's difficult to have a third-party attribution provider for all the apps and track most of our uh, events that are coming through. Partly because... Um, most of the traffic that comes through and pays for our product is organic. So we're paying a lot of money just to kind of track all the organic events. Um, so where we've come to is we now just run web campaigns um, and we try to drive traffic as much as we can to the web and then to the app store uh, account to then drive downloads. So it's like a landing page that you created, uh, like an in-between between the like TikTok and the product page on the app store? Yeah, exactly. So we're optimizing then for a, an on-page web event um, rather than directing straight to uh, app install because we kind of, we ran the numbers and we can get maybe um, half the price of the downloads by just sending, let's say, uh, 10 people go to web and half downloads rather than paying five, and that could cost us $10. So we'd be like, say, sorry, that we'd send 10 people to web Half would download, so that'd be five. And it might cost us maybe $2 or $1 just to get 10 people to the, to the website. So it could cost us 50 cents to get five downloads, for example. Um, whereas if we just ran a, just a pure download campaign, it might cost $2 for a download. Um, and so we kind of, at scale, web conversions drove cheaper downloads for us than just running CPI campaigns. Um, nice. without also having to pay the additional mo- mobile attribution payments for tracking all the events and setting up that out with TikTok. Yeah, w- 100%. Uh, wh- why do you think this is happening? Because I-, I know, I mean, I saw it happening across a lot of companies, also game companies that do that. Um, some teams are kind of concerned that you're adding in like another opportunity for users to drop. There's like the web page that they can drop at and there's the product page on yeah. the app store they can um, drop from. Yeah. And uh and you actually experience better economics because the the CPI on pure app install campaigns is much higher. But why why do you think that that is happening? I think probably because most people are running both campaigns, so there's probably like more competition on price. Um, the average, uh, and also because you're running web campaigns, you can still target iOS users. Um, but not 100 accurately, but with TikTok's current data, they can kind of see what mobile you have. Um, so our pixel for each app um, knows quite well who's more likely to click on the button to then go download uh, the app. Um, and so it optimizes for people who are most likely to click on the button to go to the product page of the app store to then download the product. And we already have a very high conversion rate. And if they've already gone like one step into the web, one step into product page, they just it's they're just going to download it. It's they've already gone far enough. They're not just going to then drop off when they see the app store page. Um, and we get pretty good conversion on that. Uh, and because it just it shows intent, and then over time we spent a lot of money, so the pixel knows then what user is most likely to get to the app store page. Um, yeah, and the users are better, and then we start driving good revenues. And again, we can't track it 100, percent but I think we probably have about maybe 75 percent 
uh, accuracy, 80% accuracy on our ROAS that we can predict. Um, we aren't 100% profitable from day one. That's just impossible for most products, especially when you're trying to actually track it, uh, except for periods, certain periods of the year. Um, now, and this is something that probably for your audience is something to really take into account because tracking is so difficult now. Um, there are going to be a lot of seasons or periods for certain products that it's better to just spend all your money then rather than uh, running a campaign all year round at a pretty high budget. You can probably just save all that money and just put it into one period of time where you know the ROAS is going to be great. Um, and that's where, that's where we've come to realize it's better for us to do. So we'll pull off the gas a lot during the summer because it doesn't make sense. Um, the ROAS is harder to predict. People aren't as interested market condition-wise to want to pay for uh, health and fitness products or productivity products because everyone's out enjoying their lives in the summer. Um, it's only when it gets a bit more interested in September and January that you can really turn on the gas with the bad spend and you can see ROAS goes so much higher and the performance of the ads and creatives so much higher as well. And it's just managing your budget throughout that year. Yeah, that, that's really smart. It reminds me of um, something that happened during COVID, at least uh, the first era of COVID, uh, where a lot of advertisers just reacted by uh, pulling uh, pulling their ad spend. Um, uh, some of them just decreased to zero. And the comp- competition really decreased in terms of like demand uh, for ads on some of these channels. And then the, the advertising cost came down pretty significantly for a pretty sh- short period of time. But some really smart companies out there uh, just leveraged that and did like a market share grab and just got a lot of users in in that period um, because they identified that opportunity. But uh, at the end of the day, you want to increase your audience. And uh, if there's a better time in, uh, in the year to do it, it's much better than, uh, than you know, spending your budget uh, uniformly over the year, as I said. Um, in terms of creatives, I think that also another thing that's really important here um, probably true for TikTok and other channels as well, is um, their algorithms right now um, learn from top of funnel events. I mean, you see it with the pixel on on the webpage. um, And uh, even if it's not a web campaign, um, most of the data, most of the signal they have to optimize their algorithm is top of funnel. Like how many people are clicking through the creatives. um, And uh, and that's the most important thing. And then... um, and there was a huge study done by Facebook on this. Uh, I think it called it was called the Big Catch, um, and they said, "Listen, we we noticed uh, that change that our our algorithm is based on these top of funnel events. Um, so what we recommend you to do is to use your creatives as as a new form of targeting, because if you'll give us creatives, we're pretty good in serving that creative to folks that are extremely likely to react to it." Um, and that's most of what uh, what our algorithm is good at right now. So, uh, for example, if you if you have an ad creative that is extremely, I don't know, um, oriented to a certain demographics, females of a certain age that likes uh, yoga, I don't know, something like that. You see, uh, you see somebody doing yoga. Um, eventually, their algorithms would find that audience after it learns. So. I'm I'm really interested in in your creative approach. Like uh, you have a broad audience, uh, and your products are probably um, the audience that you're targeting uh, for them is is also pretty broad because almost everybody uh, needs that uh, those type of products. So, 
how do you think about your creatives in terms of uh, crafting them to, you know, to target a specific audience? What's your process there? Yeah, so, um, so how we do it is um, we recognize quite early on, probably about two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago, um, that there were a lot of ads or a lot of creative styles on TikTok. Um, so you've got like, and this is in relation more to our product, but I guess you could generalize it across any product. Um, and it, it went from kind of like, so you, you do like a lifestyle video, you could do like a day in the life of test uh, video, you could do like a testimonial video. Um, uh, what else? Uh, essentially like there's particular categories of, of, of TikTok videos. Um, and then we would create a, ver- a variety of those categories of videos. So we'd put like a day in the life of somebody who uses this productivity app. And that would be a batch of videos. Then we do uh, a batch of testimonial videos. And we do a batch, and we do these different categories, like almost buckets of, uh, of videos. Um, then we would run them as, um, yeah, as kind of creative campaigns um, to see which one was getting the lowest cost per result, getting people to the app store. Uh, so what was being reacted to the most. Um, and then um, we were just driving as much of... Uh, and then we were doubling down on that one style of creative. So we would think, okay, well, the day in the life video seems to be working the best. Um, now let's do day in the life with a variety of different females. Let's change the front start of the video, so the hook. Let's change what the first sentence is of that video. Let's measure how many frames we are uh, putting into that video. So every time a new frame happens within a video, so it could be like three or four per second, uh, where they just do different things throughout that day. Um, and then uh, we were either setting different calls to actions at the end, or there were moments where we weren't even naming or dropping, name dropping the product at all. Uh, and we were just hoping that the curiosity would drive people by a lot of people commenting and driving engagement on the, on the video saying, what product is this? What product is this? What product is this? And that was, again, feeding into the algorithm of all the people who were also interested. Um, but then also, because people are engaging with it, it's serving it up to more people. And then it's getting lower click-through rates, lower cost per clicks, uh, reduced CPM. Um, and there were all these sort of... Essentially, we were trying to like doing a, a scientific experiment on a, on a category or a style of video. Like how could we A-B test all different elements of the video until we found the best video that the algorithm is, is relating to the most. And there are elements that you can't even predict. So we could have two girls making the exact same video, but just because of the way a girl looks, the way a girl sounds, the accent, um, that was really affecting kind of click-through rates. So then we were almost serving up British accents into America, and that was having a higher click-through rate than American accents because it was wow. unique, it was different. Um, and you can do that as, as you can do that super granular. So you can go to like uh, the UK and do British accents. You can go to Germany, do it in German, um, and you can do like almost micro-targeting them on uh, on your creatives. And it just becomes more and more relatable to the type of audience that are more likely to use your product. Um, and that's just, that's going deep with it all. Um, but yeah, analyzing your creative as, as, as intensely as possible, uh, and then just seeing what the data says and going in deeper on that. Awesome. That's, that's really insightful. Uh, it, it got me thinking about like influencer marketing. Um, cause there, there are some folks that are working with a lot of influencers. I, I guess that in your field, there's, it, it's, it's 
quite uh, prevalent. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of folks in wellness and and meditation and whatever. So are you, and, and some folks are using uh, the content that they create with the influencers not just to post it on their on their profile and promote the product. Just they take that content and make an ad out of it, and because it's so it can be very authentic, like the way that they present the, the product, it makes for a great ad. Um, so do, do you have, what's your experience with like influencer marketing on, on TikTok? And, yeah. yeah. So I think, I think, I think from 95% of app companies, um, I think using influencers um, that are of a substantial size, let's say, are, I think they're overpriced uh, in, in how they value themselves. Um, I think what's more valuable is working with uh, people who look like the customers, who act like the customers, and creating spark ads with those creators. Um, so, let's say um, you are really you are our target target person. You've got like four hundred followers, or even just two thousand followers. I'd rather create a video with you that you post on your account, um, and I boost that video, which will be so much cheaper, and it's more relevant and relatable to the kind of customer we're trying to attract. Now, where it makes a huge difference from my experience with actual influencers is um, we had this one video where we uh, used the sounds of, um, what's her name? Emma, Emma, Emily, Emma Chamberlain. She's basically a YouTuber. Um, she has like 10, 15 million subscribers. And we created a video of a day in the life of how to use X product. Um, then we had the music in the background, uh, the TikTok sound was actually a quote from her, uh, Emma Chamberlain, uh, or from one of her podcasts. Now, I mean, I don't really watch Emma Chamberlain. I don't really know what she sounds like. We just saw that sound and it seems uh, like it fit the video. Um, it was trending at the time. We were like, oh, okay. so we created a video, we added that sound and then we ran it as a video and it went super not super viral uh we got like 40 million views on it with boosted uh with put money behind it on somebody on a um on a uh a creator's account so like a micro influencer's account but the reason why it went so viral is all the comments was oh my god that's emma chamberlain oh my god that's emma chamberlain we love her we love her so basically we were using the likeness without knowing we're using the likeness of someone super famous um uh, as a as the tiktok sound background so then when people were scrolling, they would listen to it for one second, recognize her voice, and then stay on the video. And then the watch through time and the click-throughs just went up crazy. Um, now, we got to about 30, 40 million view, uh, views, and we got a cease and desist there from a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was waiting for this. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we still got 40 million views worth of downloads out of it uh, and revenue. And like, it, I, it's not something that I recommend to everyone, but if you're a small app, you could this is not legal advice, but you could probably <laughs> hypothetically, uh, you could take advantage of the likeness of certain activities within the video. Um, and that will get you enough downloads and maybe some attention at the beginning. Um, but that's an example of how you can use likeness. Uh, it's like how people um, create these like tweets and they use like the fake name or the fake tweets or, um, the, or on YouTube, they do thumbnails, but they put like famous person as a thumbnail to make people more likely to click through. Um, that likeness is going to make probably more of a subtle difference, but a massive impact than probably just paying someone like 10 grand to make one TikTok video. Um, 
from what I've seen. Uh, most TikTok influencers don't actually do that much, like influencers, because, yeah, they don't actually have as much influence as they think they do. Yeah. Wow, amazing. That's, that's uh, extremely creative. I really like the fact that like folks just, like it, 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 you said it twice, one time where you created the, um, where used creatives where you don't name drop the product. And then, um, and then folks ask, what is this product? Like I saw this even on LinkedIn, by the way, um, for some reason, um, but it does work. It does increase engagement, um, which is counterintuitive to begin with, but it actually works. And now with like this recognizable voice and folks asking, uh, oh my God, is that her voice? I recognize that. And I'm sure that creatively you can develop um, an idea, a creative idea that, that used the same mechanic or the same psychological mechanic uh, completely. So we, yeah. yeah, so we actually did do that. So the next stage of it was um, we hired uh, voice actors to do um, like Morgan Freeman, uh, Ariana Grande. I wanted to say Morgan Freeman. I, 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 <laughs> swear, I swear to God, I had in my mind, I wanted yeah. to tell you Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you can kind of maybe your your customer user base will probably have a voice act a voice character, um what's the word? Uh, archetype or, or is that the right word? Um basically somebody who if you were to bucket your your customers into a voice act into a voice, like who would they relate most to? Um so for example, a lot of our users are let's say eighteen to twenty five year old females. Um so we decided, well, we can try Ariana Grande because she's pretty noticeable. You probably have like Beyonce or these nice sort of female singers. Um, and we did try that. Now, the first, to be honest, most of the tests didn't make as much of a difference, but we were also testing in a period of time where the market conditions aren't that useful for us. But if we re-ran those videos maybe in January, they probably will have a good impact. Um, but that is an example of developing what was kind of a happy mistake or a happy uh, accident into a um, a creative test over over time, and, and like yeah, you, even if you have someone in the office right who could do like Peter guy Peter Peter from Family Guy accents, you know, or South Park, or all these different ca- like cartoon characters, like you can just record a little video and put that in the background, and people might be interested. Uh, it just might might increase that like kind of clicking through. For sure, extremely uh, interesting uh, test to run. Um, I would definitely recommend to try it out because it makes a ton of sense uh, and extremely creative. Um, all right, so we we are running a bit out of time, but uh, we I have a few last questions that we ask all of our guests. Yeah. So first, thinking about everything uh, that changed with the industry, um, if you could give just one tip to an aspiring mobile growth marketer, even somebody that wants to to enter the industry today, uh, what would it be? Um, so to get into the industry, I think what would be a good way to start if you are somewhat, somewhat creative growth marketers, because you kind of, I think you kind of get two styles of growth marketers. You have those super data-driven, uh, well, most of the time you have to be data-driven, but you get the super just pure numbers growth marketer, and then you get that sort of creative marketer. If you're more the creative marketer, see if you if you want to join a company, um, create some TikTok videos for them. Um, I know that is kind of it seems well not simple, but TikTok videos are actually quite difficult to create. And if you can be that person who organically sells that product and you can do it well, that's like a whole point of a growth marketer's job. 
if you can sell a product and grow them. Um, so if you can make even a few videos, find like top five companies that you want to join and find anyone in their growth team, anyone in their marketing team, create some TikTok content on how you're selling it. Um, maybe even run an experiment by creating a TikTok ads account and driving traffic to a fake landing page and getting the numbers and the performance of those videos um, and say, hey, well, I just ran this whole experiment by myself. I, if, if I was to do this at your company at scale, um, it would create this much revenue or this much value for you. Um, so that's what I would, I probably, as a, off the top of my head, that's what would probably make me notice you. If, um, if someone came to me and said, hey, I, I just, here's all these videos, here's this experiment I ran for you, um, this is what value it potentially could have created, I'd be like, wow, that's super impressive. Um, Love it. Come join us. Love it. A great idea. Um, now for a content recommendation, um, what's your favorite mobile growth resource? Like some newsletter that you read or a publication that you, uh, that you follow? Or even a person? Yeah. Uh, so I like... Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a, so there's a, uh, it's quite well known. I think it's called App Figures. Um, okay. And the the guy's called Ariel McKamey. I might butcher that sucker name. It's it's actually in Hebrew, so I can say his name in Hebrew. It's uh, Ariel Mikhaili. Yes. Mikhaili. <laughs> okay. So he yeah. is. Um, he does the newsletter every week, and he basically gives you like this week in apps, and he he basically shows you all the apps that have trended. changed significant growth recently um, so for example um, I actually was talking to the founder of this product called MD vinyl um, he also owns an app called MD clock and um, uh, another couple of apps and basically one of the apps we were trying to require he's based out of Taiwan and um, he, one of his apps actually reached me more like a designer one for Apple and And so I was looking on this newsletter and it popped up saying MD Vinyl has just gone viral. Um, and I was like, oh, well, let me message him and find out how it went viral. And essentially, he just sent me a few TikTok videos and he said, well, basically, um, uh, this went viral because a few people spoke about it. It cost us nothing. We went to number one in the charts across the US. Um, and, but I wouldn't have known that that product has gone viral because I'm not following the growth of every single product. But basically, Ariel condenses it into top five. products that have basically gone viral this week and if they've gone viral there's a unique reason why so I try to figure out what all those reasons are and then try to apply those to the products that we have wow that that's really unique but uh, I really like that um, so oh and the la- the almost last question but the most important one what is your favorite flavor of pancake um, where are you based by the way uh, in, in the UK in London in London yeah all right so let's hear it um, to be honest uh, I'd probably just go I'm happy with just some honey on my on my pancake um, some butter covered in butter and then just awesome covered in butter and full of honey um, <laughs> yeah that's my uh, that's my go-to I would say cool it's it's pretty healthy I thought uh, like uh, most Amer- American guests like go with like bacon and maple and but um, see I can't healthy. I can't wrap my head too around that so I, obviously <laughs> in the UK pancakes aren't really I mean, they are a thing if you go for like brunch or whatever, but I don't, I never grew up eating pancakes for breakfast. It would be like, it's pancake day once a year and we'll make our own pancakes. But what I will say is I do prefer the American pancakes over, I guess, like European pancakes, crepes, for example, in France. Yes, um, sure. But I, yeah, so if I can just cover them in butter and honey, we're good. Cool. And uh, lastly, where can people find you if they want to reach out, um, talk? Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, you just type my name on LinkedIn, type my name plus Reflectly, Ryan Thorpe Reflectly. Um, if you do, uh, I am on Twitter, but I don't post or comment really. Um, at hello, Ryan J. Um, yeah, that's, that's it really. Just message me on LinkedIn. I'm super active, so I'm happy to answer any questions that you guys have. Awesome. Folks, super creative guy here. Reach out to him because ton of ideas uh, right there. Um, all right. So um, I really enjoyed that conversation. I think you, you got some really, really creative ideas. I also really like the content recommendation and that approach. Um, so I just really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Amazing. Thank you for having me. All right. Talk to you soon. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Stormaven, thanks for listening.